Hello, welcome to another episode of Unpacking Neuroqueerness. Today, I have my friend X back on the podcast, and we are going to do a holiday special episode, basically tips for surviving the holidays as neurodivergent people in this very neurotypical world. So the first thing we wanted to talk about today is present problems around giving and receiving gifts. I think receiving gifts, I would say, is one of the most challenging things. And I've I've heard this from other autistic people as well. The fact that, you know, it understandably, like people put in a lot of effort, like, you know, that people put in a lot of effort into a gift and so a lot of times seeing your reaction to the gift is really important to them and for a lot of autistic people our reactions our facial expressions don't always match our emotion and sometimes we take up for those with processing delays we can take extra time to process the gift even if we really like it we can be easily misunderstood or misinterpreted like people can assume we don't like a gift it's happened to me even where i've told someone oh i really like this and the person and is like oh i'm glad you liked it and then two or three minutes later because i don't know Either because maybe I wasn't excited enough or they were self-conscious for another reason. They'll ask me again if I liked the gift. I enjoy giving people presents, but I've seen other people give, say, me presents. And for them, whether they like it or not, it's about self-gratification. They need the dopamine hit, even if they're neurotypical of being like, yeah, I did well. And if you're not doing it in a way they're expecting, they also get nervous. I mean, this is the one of the few things that unites everyone around the holidays is there's so many unnecessary social rules, not just for neurodivergence, but for neurotypicals. And everyone's constantly kind of assessing where they're at and what they're doing and whether the presents is good it's a lot of stress to be perfect annually presents are a huge manifestation of that because they set the tone for the rest of the day right most people they open presents in the morning you start off with watching everyone open something that say you spent a lot of time researching or you didn't spend a lot of time researching you just hoped it worked out and so after that there's not much else as, in terms of tasks for you to do <laughs> mm-hmm. so if, I think everyone would fixate a tiny bit it's almost like a test of self-worth like, did I know this person well enough did I care enough yeah. and it can to anyone's head it's not just you yeah I can sense like I know that it's really important for them like to be quote you know so-called successful maybe with the the gift why not quickly that's not the point of gift giving gift giving is not a competition i wish this is my own personal mm-hmm. pet peeve. just give a gift because you think someone will like it they will like it in the way they like it or they won't like it you tried can we stop making gift giving a competition it's really annoying anyway continue. yeah no i uh yeah because it's like i know that it's some people get really caught up in it and end up i don't know if they think of it as a competition I mean some people might I want to show them that I like the gift but it feels like I don't know it's like either I have to go on like a three minute speech about like the way (laughs) I interpret things sometimes and the way I process things and and all that and give like a monologue about neurodiversity it's tricky because I have to like just remind them every couple minutes that I like I don't know that's the thing is that you I mean it's 
you're right in the feeling, the pressure you feel to perform a certain way because you can sense someone's anxious about something is something that unfortunately you as a neurodivergent person will have to unlearn and continue to unlearn your entire life, right? Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the difficulty, you know, for us neurodivergent people is that we can sense that, some of us can. And there's times in our lives where it's, you know, we have to assuage those people's anxieties in order to get by. And other times, especially for an adult around other adults, you can tell them you like the present. And if they keep asking for reassurance, that's just annoying. They are mm-hmm. adults. Yeah. They might have their own issues. However, if they know you well enough, then they should just take that at face value. And if mm-hmm. they do have issues with that and you're not close enough to have a conversation where you can take them aside and say, I really like the present, mm-hmm. but at this point, you know, you asking me about the present all the time is actually making it less enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I did really like the present. Mm-hmm. I still really like the present. I think I would continue to enjoy it more if you didn't keep asking me because I want you to feel good about the fact that I like it, but I can't keep liking it if you're anxious. Yeah, yeah, well, because then I'm going to be anxious. Exactly, and Mm -hmm. everyone just wants to have a good time, and I think if you present that to people in a way where it's us against the problem, which is Christmas trauma versus Mm. me versus you and the present, it it clarifies a lot of positions for people, especially during a stressful time. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I think I think that works. I think I think if it gets to a point where I can sense that there's still discomfort and like misunderstanding, then I would probably I mean, now I'm more comfortable with explaining these things, communication styles and neurodiversity and such. Um, I think in the past two or three years ago, I may have not done in that situation. Had you not had this information that you now have? Usually I would just probably obsess over the the whole thing for a few days and then eventually forget it. It's just, it would always be a little stressful if I thought someone didn't think that I liked their gift, even though I did. But now it's better because I know that if I really need to, I mean... It's not your responsibility. If yeah. You say, if you tell them you like it, and again, this is someone who is an adult, if they then need you to perform that knowing now who you are in a way mm-hmm. that isn't actually helping you enjoy the gift or the holiday then that's about them I mean which can create some tension if they're not happy with that reality or unwilling mm-hmm. to admit it good to hear that you feel as you go through this over and over again that you not care a bit less but you have a better kind of yeah sense of self throughout these situations yeah. I think ultimately it is just one facet of unmasking i guess it it comes from the the trauma of masking the the whole like worrying too much about other people's perceptions but then i i also you know it it also helps to have more understanding of where this all comes from because then because then i also have the option if i want to i have the option of talking to them about it but ultimately that the goal is i don't know if you feel this way too like if you think it's also um a consequence of masking but that i've i've been wanting to that that i'm trying to like remind myself that i don't need to prioritize other people's feelings over over myself i agree and i think especially during the holidays it's a time where everyone is supposed to sacrifice their own well-being for the sake of tradition mm-hmm. whatever that tradition is gift giving is just a facet of that and i think again as, a, as an adhd woman the annoying thing about gift giving is one i really enjoy it not for myself because i really enjoy giving people 
presence. And part of that has to do with my Russian grandmother, who is probably autistic, might have ADHD, but probably autistic. I think she survived and continues to survive living in Russia as an autistic woman, mostly through her own charisma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she just sort of goes, well, this is not the way I like it, so I'm just not going to do it with a smile on her face. She just doesn't, she's like, oh, this doesn't mm-hmm. work for me. Oh, well. And then she moves on. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And people sort of stare at her and wonder. But with presents, you know, she figured out quite quickly, I think, at a young age that mm-hmm. giving presents is a great way to show how you feel about someone mm-hmm. without having to tell them. So yeah. she'll put a lot of thought into things. Her thing is jewelry and semi-precious stones. Any t- she gives the most beautiful jewelry. She never had a daughter, so m- mom and I get lots and lots of gorgeous jewelry. And she knows mm-hmm. the jewelers, and she picks them out, and we get them, and they have little names of each stone on them so that we can add them to our collection. And her advice to me when I was a kid, because I used to do this with her all the time when I was little, is go pick out presents for people. And she said, if some part of you doesn't want it, unless it's like a very specific thing that person has asked you to get them, that's not really your taste. Mm-hmm. If you're getting someone something and there's no small part of you that doesn't kind of want that present, it's not a good present. Oh, interesting. Unless it's, you know, something very specific to them. But mm-hmm. if you're getting them something that, you know, you have a certain taste in and they share that taste and you don't covet it in a way, if you don't kind of want it for yourself, it's not a great gift. <laughs> to give or just like to receive? Yeah, to give. Oh, I see. Again, people have different kinds of taste. If someone has very different taste from you, that's different, right? Okay, yeah. But if, you know, there's something that you share or you appreciate, you both appreciate, and there's no part of you that doesn't want to kind of keep it for yourself. Oh, I see. So that would be like in the realm of a, a similar interest. Yeah, in the realm of similar interest or, you know, some even if it's not something you enjoyed, you put so much love into, you know, finding this for someone that you mm-hmm. kind of, the goal is to get them excited about it. Yeah. I learned about present giving through that. It wasn't about people's reactions necessarily to it. For me, it, the joy was not even giving it to them. It was researching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I were to give you a present, I actually, as long as you like it, and you tell me that, I don't care about any other reaction because I'm just the joy of doing the research and the finding it and being like, I wonder what this person will like or seeing something throughout the year and going, oh, that reminds me of that person instead of buying it all in bulk, which some people do. There's a joy in kind of remembering things that you like about people or things that brought you joy about other people, which is how I'm trying to see gift giving generally rather than this huge capitalist mess. (laughs) Whatever the happy thing they remind you of is, give it to them. Yeah, I can see that because I have felt that where where I have given gifts that have been very satisfying and it was something that I, I remember thinking like, oh, I would I could see myself getting this for myself too. And then that was like, it, it does make you feel more confident, I think, like, or just, I don't know, for me, it made me feel better. I would like this if, if I were gifted this. Yeah. Another issue is that, especially when I was much younger, that kind of present giving philosophy didn't get me into trouble so much, but I think when I was maybe six, eight, ten, it did freak out some of my friends because I would notice what they liked without them specifically telling me, and mm. then I'd give it to them. And I think they're kids, and I was a kid, and they didn't know how to, s- what the feeling was, oh, she knows too much about me. Mm. It might seem too intimate that I gave them something that they dreamt about but never told me about. You know, or that they yeah. wanted a poem with something, and then I wrote it because I could mm-hmm. just, I just knew them, and they 
didn't know how to react because it was it crossed a boundary for them not because I was being rude or inappropriate but because they hadn't actually told me and they didn't know how I knew ah. that I wanted it because I was picking up on other things right so how, how did she know this this is weird I yeah especially if you're a divergent you pick up on those unspoken signs that seem like subtext to everyone else but to mm -hmm. you are just text yeah and you think that person knows that and you give them something or you even you tell mm -hmm. them something compliment and you can see them go no one's ever told me that i've always wanted someone to tell me that how on earth did they know this i was not prepared you know mm -hmm. yeah yeah i can see that happen the um, other struggle, the last, I get, not the last, but one of the other big struggles for me with ADHD is I, I get told off for this all the time by my partner. I will figure out what the present is before you give it to me. Wow. It's been a struggle because I, I just can tell. <laughs> I don't have to see it. I mean, is it this? They're like, why are you guessing? This is not fair. But again, it's a, the same thing. It's kind of like predicting what other people are doing or trying to understand how other people think in order to relate to them, whether you, mm -hmm. you're autistic or ADHD. Mm -hmm. I spend a lot of my time figuring out, oh, this is how this person sees the world, so this is how I can relate to them, so that my brain makes more sense to them. Mm -hmm. So giving is an extension of that. Most of the time, I can figure out what they're going to give me. I've learned as I've gotten older that it's not a guessing game. <laughs> People don't like it when they mm -hmm. tell me, they're like, oh, it's this. They're like, yeah, interesting. Or I get it for myself before they can give it to me a month mm -hmm. before, and you can sort of see them go, oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that... It's interesting because I I feel like it's always... I think people that don't know me as well, I can kind of predict what they're going to get me because they're just going to pick... Okay, I'm really... I'm talking a lot about weather. They're going to get me something weather-related. Talking a lot about neurodiversity. They're going to get me something neurodiversity-related. I still really appreciate it because it, it is like they are... They're staying tuned. They're tuned into what I'm talking about and stuff. Does it ever make you feel a bit two-dimensional? Because sometimes I do get that. I, sometimes it does. Sometimes, especially, I think that happens when it's like, if it's the similar kind of gift around the similar interest every year, then it feels like, I don't know, then it then it feels like they're not, it's like they, they, they think that I only like this one thing. They don't really think more about you as a person exactly 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 like i could see that happening like oh you think i'm me feeling like you think i'm i'm just the guy that talks about neurodiversity or i'm just the guy that likes weather there's so much more like i have a lot of other interests and like things and but i think it also like i understand i really do understand when it's someone that i haven't had contact with in a while because they just they wouldn't be able to know what all the different things I'm into and they just want to get something that I like so like I don't blame them either but it is something that sometimes if it happens with one person particularly if it's someone closer to me that doesn't feel great sometimes I guess. I mean I get that feeling when it's friends of people I'm close to that are really close to them because mm -hmm. they'll pretend to be really interested in what I'm doing saying there is a window of getting to know someone at least for neurotypicals where they've taken all the information within this period of time and then after that you're just a static being you're not allowed to change yeah now, whether it's true or not is, is it's probably not but that it can feel that way when you're neurodivergent or on the receiving end of it mm -hmm. it feels like they just stop taking in information about it, or it all gets skewed to one bias and i don't quite understand that 
I mean, I understand why they do it because it's easier, right, to not think about people in that way. I don't have mm-hmm. an option because my brain doesn't work that way. But it also brings out the issue of with presence, it depends if you're someone who struggles socially with that. You have office presence, how much you're supposed to spend on those. Usually those have a cap, which is helpful. Mm. Professional presence, presence for in-laws. There's so many different social constructs that you have to deal with. Yeah. Even... Even neurotypical people struggle with, mm-hmm. you know, is this too formal or will they think I didn't think about this much if I just give them a candle? Well, most people like candles, just make sure it's the right scent. Candles are always a good shout if it's rich. Mm-hmm. You know, this um, small tangent, I have a, uh, one of my good friends has asthma. I've never given her a candle, but when she comes over, I occasionally forget she has asthma and I do ask her to smell things and she looks at me and she goes, I can't smell shit. I'm like, oh, right, I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. It happens repeatedly. She's one of my best friends. She's like, I cannot smell anything. I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah. The end of the year, everyone's a bit sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people are a bit sad, and it's dark. I mean, it's why these kinds of holiday traditions crop up. You know, and there's a lot of pressure on waking up, being in a good mood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Having to be in a good mood around people that you may not necessarily spend a lot of time with. Yeah. It's time asking for everything, for neuro- mm-hmm. neurotypical people neurodivergent people which is why i do hope that this episode is helpful for not just neurodivergent people but neurotypical people because i don't know whether the neurotypicals have as many strategies for surviving at least cognitively other than drinking it feels like sometimes they might have to do some thinking too but like they fall into it very easily i guess they absorb these these norms and everything better or more efficiently and they they can kind of get it where after a while where I feel like I'm still kind of lost like I think it feels like for me it's like even more effort I'd be interested to hear from neurotypical listeners what that is if anyone wants to write in send you an email you mm-hmm. write in the description notes whether or not you take that time to strategize and take yourself out of a situation because I think that's what we do mm-hmm. we have to go we, there has to be an approach to things especially when it's again every year the same people doing the same things and it also turns out differently most of the time mm-hmm. but you know it's the strategy where you go well I know that this person gets drunk at 5 p.m and then they start saying really rude things so it's good to get them water at two yeah food is time and have them have a nap so that then they don't keep drinking, they have a nap, and then they'll actually be okay by the time people are singing carols. That kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of, you know, specifically women are the people who are tasked with having to figure out these family dynamics. It's also the self-preservation of if I decide to go on a bathroom break during this and this time, usually no one will notice. Mm-hmm. How much of that is happening as a cognitive completely conscious thought rather than just a subconscious understanding of, oh, this is uncomfortable, I'm just going to go somewhere else. Yeah. Interesting to hear if anyone wants to write in the kind of differences, whether, how do you think about these things? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see myself picking up on people's patterns. I do observe patterns a lot just naturally without even trying to or noticing that I am. I remember a year later or two years later. I'm describing it probably the way someone who's autistic would. As someone with ADHD, my experience has been probably a mix of how some neurotypical people deal with Christmas (laughs) and someone who's autistic deal with Christmas because it's very socially conditioned to be the lubricant during these kinds Mm. of... It's me and the alcohol. It's me and people talking to me and me having to be friendly. I enjoy talking to them, and um, I don't think I think about it probably as cognitively as, say, you would. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I see. Yeah. Yeah, because my brother's autistic. I I do think I've had to grow up thinking about them, mm-hmm. so that either you know I can check in on him at certain times. Because if I can figure mm-hmm. out how he's thinking, then I can make sure no one in the room has a meltdown. Yeah. My position was having to feel like I'm not saying it was my job because that's unfair, but feeling like it was I had to manage the neurotypicals and the neurodivergence. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is not necessarily true, but that is definitely kind of the pressure I felt when I was younger. I don't know if this is like going back a little bit, but how do you feel about asking people or like if people ask you, because one thing that's been helpful for me with the whole gift receiving complex is when I tell people ahead of time, like I actually really like it. Sometimes they ask me what I want and I'm like, yes, I can just tell them what I want or I'll tell them. And and it just because I know like I've heard that in certain cultures, like certain people can get they might not like it or it can come across the wrong way if you ask for a certain gift ahead of time but for me it's really helpful because it makes me a lot more relaxed because I know I feel like it helps me and them because it helps me know like okay good they're gonna get me something that I like and that I really want and I'm not gonna have to fake a reaction or worry about them thinking I didn't like it and oh my god and the guilt and everything And it helps them because then they're like, oh, okay, this is what this person wants. This is what they like. I can get them this and they're going to like it. And I don't have to worry about like, oh, did they like it or not? One, from my actual experience, my family has always asked each other what they want for a big present. If there's Mm -hmm. something that someone has in mind that's really big, usually we'll have to remind each other to tell each other what we want. And if there is nothing, then we... Is, are there options that you know you wanted us or gift cards to places for the bigger present? Unless there's something we have in mind that we know that person would really like. Mm-hmm. One of the benefits, like also of having a bigger present and smaller other gifts, is that it doesn't ruin the surprise, which is I think why some people find someone asking them for presents a bit annoying mm-hmm. because they want it to be a surprise or they feel it's yeah, a bit kind of restrictive. Or yeah. if someone asks without context, the good, why are you asking me? My advice and what my family's been doing is asking at some point, unless we have a gift already in mind for them, do you know what you want or the ballpark of what you do want? Mm-hmm. We get them small other things that could be surprises that aren't as high stakes. Mm-hmm. Do you think that some people might interpret it? Like if I were to ask them, oh, like, can you get me this gift for Christmas or whatnot? Is it a thing or have you experienced it with, with people where they get upset because, or they, you know, of course, maybe they don't say it, but that it seems like they're upset because they think that you're wanting gifts and that it's like, you're not supposed to want, because I've been, I've been told that in certain cultures or with certain people that like, you're supposed to not want gifts, but, but then it's like, that's what drives me crazy because then it's like, oh, I, I, so I'm supposed to not want this, but then I'm also like supposed to really like it. You shouldn't want it, but you should be grateful when you have it. It's like, oh, that's not a great philosophy for life all the time. Like it's, it's good to, you know, not expect certain things. But it also puts you in the position where you feel you don't or can't ask for things that you actually want and need. I think in terms of the gift giving, it's context specific. So if you were to walk around with someone, you don't have a relationship where you can walk around and go, oh, by the way, I really want this. Not everyone might really be accepting of something that's so direct. 
Or if out of the blue you say, I would like this for Christmas. Again, if they don't know you very well, that's going to seem like a non sequitur to them. I see. So it is context specific. Yeah. If it's July and you don't know the person very well, and you're anticipating in your head the idea of Christmas, and you see something in a window and go, oh, I'd like that for Christmas, by the way. I think that would take most people by surprise. Mm -hmm. Even me, I would probably be slightly surprised. I'd roll with it, but I'd be slightly <laughs> surprised. Yeah. Whereas, it, again, depends on your relationship with the person, how well they know you, what conversation is happening at the time. And even if, say, it is in the middle of summer and you're seeing something nice and your birthday's yeah. passed or something, oh, Ooh. I really like this. And they look at you and go, you know, you can kind of coil and go, you know, so mm. don't have Christmas gift later. But like, that's a nicer way of putting it rather than. I see. You know, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, sort of. Yeah. That's, a, a, again, a social construct. There's mm -hmm. a sort of flirtation with the idea of, will you get me a thing if I want it? Which is, is weird. It's socially weird. And it's okay to find that weird because it's bizarre. <laughs> yeah. It would definitely feel, like, I, I know that that's how a lot of people do it. As people who are very aware or learning to be more aware about how we mask, you know, it's about, again, I think creating space for neurotypicals to realize how they mask. We can kindly give them space to figure it out once we figure ourselves out instead of trying to battle it through. Mm -hmm. The holidays are maybe one time of year where neurotypical people get a little glimpse <laughs> of what it's like to be a high-masking neurodivergent person yeah. in society. In some ways, it's helpful to think of it instead of as a test for you as a neurodivergent person, more of a sort of, I've had to, you know, learn these skills to deal with the situation in a certain way, and they might be super helpful for someone who hasn't had to think about it this way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's less a test. It's more of an of a, a opportunity to share things so that this happens less often. True. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think also, like, another thing, social media, I mean, everything this time of year, like, I think there is a lot of toxic positivity on social media in general, most of the year, but I feel like this time of year, it gets heightened. It's like, yeah. The amount of dogs and sweaters that they don't want to be in is... <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Yes. They're all asking for help. I mean, listen, some of the, some of the animals that are in sweaters have no fur or are very small. It should not be in cold environments. And that is a caveat that we will put out on this podcast now. Some of them need the sweaters. But <laughs> I use that as a metaphor for the rest of the photo um, because that animal does not know what a photograph is. That mm -hmm. animal does not want to be in a sweater most nope. of the time. Yeah. That animal does not want to sit down. And most people in that photo do not either. <laughs> yeah. baby that was crying the newborn that someone is having to make googly eyes at behind the cameras just so that the look at the camera does not want to look at the camera mm -mm. there are certain families where it's done because it's to make ev them everyone look a certain way because they know it's not the way it actually is and that comes from abusive families and that is an intentional thing be happy because you have to be but i think for most people it's the sense of we just have to get through this. It's stressful, it's loud, it's cold, there's babies. Everyone's in one place at the same time. We want to feel like everything's okay because we need the validation of everyone else yeah. to feel like it's okay when really everyone else is feeling just as shitty as you do. Mm -hmm. I feel like it also gets pumped. Like another thing I noticed this time of year is like the music, the Christmas music. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> 
everywhere, every store. And it's this constant reminder to, well, not only a reminder to consume, because I mean, I think that's why part big part of it for the stores, but it's a Coca Cola Christmas, absolutely. It's it's like all this. It's also the the forced jolliness. Every stores and like stores also move during the holidays mm-hmm. more often. So you, it takes longer to find things in the store. Yeah, true. Which I'm sure is on purpose. But you know, it's it's meant to make you walk around the store for longer, so you buy more things, and you listen to music more, all of that. It's a capitalist construct. But the, the stress of being tired and overwhelmed by everything during the winter, and then going in and trying to find something that you usually know where it is, and then having to circle around while Santa Baby is playing in the background. Oh my really, god. <laughs> or like poor, or the anyone who works in hospitality, anyone who works in retail, gross anything. The forced merriment I have to see on their faces, having to deal with drunk customers, annoying customers, while wearing reindeer antlers on their head. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's also the stress of watching people who are obviously not happy but have to be, or pretend to be, or have to mask yeah. professionally in order to get paid. And, mm-hmm. and for me, at least that takes a toll too, because I just, it's painful to watch. Yeah. And if you're around family who either are also neurodivergent and don't know it and have been telling themselves that they're not dealing with it well to you know, on you, right? There's a whole mm-hmm. generational trauma aspect to the holidays. Yeah. And hopefully that's becoming less and less as people know more about being neurodivergent the issues they had when it was because they had neurodivergent parents who didn't know it. But there's a lot of food know, trauma, whether neurodivergent or not, simply because it's people you may not choose to spend time with on a regular basis. Yeah. Because as much as we want to all love our family, not everyone has that choice. And also, you know, a lot of these people, I'm fortunate, which I probably would be friends with most of my immediate family, um, mm-hmm. even my extended family, which is why I'm so glad that, you know, you're now my step cousin something yeah but, you know, so i choose to spend time with you but not everyone has that option you know? yeah yeah if true. you met this person on the street randomly they probably wouldn't want to keep talking to them and so then you're supposed to also be happy on top of all of that <laughs> yeah it's a lot to like take in and, and process and deal with and um coordinate you know, yeah it's the stress of trying to get everyone into one place at one time and everything work and be happy. Yeah. That's why I think it's um so important to, if you have a group of people, uh, be it family or friends or a community or whatnot, that you spend these holidays with and like frequently, that you kind of develop to develop your own traditions. Um, and that can be like from anything like from gift giving to what kind of meal you do and and whatever and because I feel like there is a lot of pressure and and I feel this with my family too like even just with my mom and my sister like I get it because like we there we we all grow up conditioned to think that we we have to do Christmas in this like there's only this one way to do Christmas and this we have to have a big meal and then exchange gifts and do this or we have to do it like this certain ways even with like the kind of food we eat has to be this or the kind of give like it, it just feels like um it must be a certain kind of potato and it must be cooked in a certain way yeah. if it's 
like exactly it feels it feels like i mean not to say that we always do the same thing every year it could be a lot more extreme but i feel like kind of like we haven't figured out what we're gonna do yet and i feel like my mom and my sister they're putting a lot of pressure on themselves on like oh no well, well, well we should do this or we should invite people or we should do this or that and, and i'm kind of trying to tell them why don't we just do whatever feels good to us like we don't I, I just try to remember i just try to remind them like we don't we can have our own little dinner we can have our own gift exchange we can have our own tradition it's just the three of us anyways this year like we don't have to like conform i think it's easier for me to question these things because of being autistic or it just comes more naturally to me finding myself reminding them that we don't have to do it in this certain mold. Yeah, and especially if you have less people, like this year, right? Mm -hmm. If you're, you just have more people. There's nothing worse than sitting in a Christmas party that looks like it was made for 16 people when there's only six. Yeah, right? exactly. It's, it's this sort of feeling that there should be, there's ghosts in the room. And you don't need to do that. You, you just don't. Yeah. Um, in some ways, again, this is where they're acting a bit autistic in some ways, right? Because they're like, it has to be this way. It's always been this way. It has to be this yeah. way. Yeah. You know, the autistic person, like, they're like, actually, it does not have to be mm -hmm. this way. It's a new one. You know, I'm speaking as you, like, mm -hmm. hmm, actually, I would like to tell everyone, it does not have to be this yeah. way. Yeah. It's, it's also part of, like, my whole unmasking journey that I'm questioning things more. I think I used to roll with it a lot more. I think three or four years ago, I would have probably felt... I would have just rolled... Like, even if I felt, if I questioned the whole concept a little bit, even if I was already starting to be like, but do we really have to do it this way? I think I would... I, I felt a lot more pressured or a lot more inclined to just go with it. And now I'm starting to, like question constructs and systems a lot more like I feel like just in the last one to two years I've been a lot more I just question everything like every little social construct which is exhausting also right? yeah <laughs> yeah adolescence it's like being a teenager again especially if you're mm -hmm. late diagnosed that's hard Christmas is the epitome of that it's capitalism it's Christianity it's which is it's all Mm -hmm. thing. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's so much a lot of this other stuff is great if it works for you it usually doesn't but however you decide to incorporate that it, it you know trying to find traditions that work for you that remind you oh this is you know this is going to happen every year and we're all going to change I mean that's the weird bit about Christmas is we all change as people mm -hmm. but the traditions don't yeah and so it's it, it does feel like you're in a children's play over and over again. And it, no one wants to do that. Yeah. You know, mm -mm. wants to sing, I'm missing my two front teeth every Christmas. Like, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's it's about just becoming more comfortable and trying to remind yourself, like, what is it that I like about what we're doing now? And how can we make it so it's more comfortable for everyone else? And that's a unfortunate thing and again at the end of the year you're alive for better or for worse <laughs> it yeah. really is just trying to remind yourself like I've made it another year whether I like it or not mm -hmm. for some people it's not and that's unfortunate but we're glad you're here if you are listening to this yeah. and it's just going what can I do to 
make the stakes lower for myself. Because this is a time where even if you know you don't buy into and like I don't you don't buy into capitalism and all of that, the rest of the world's allowing you to kind of be for two days, sort of allow yourself to do whatever the fuck you want. Mm-hmm. With yeah. certain parameters, but it's take advantage of that. See it as an opportunity rather than as something that you have to prove to people. Yeah. Because we've all seen other people's Christmases where people act ridiculous or obscene. Mm-hmm. We're not saying that. We're saying if they can do that, imagine what lovely little thing you can do. If they can do that with those rules, you can do so much more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is it's true. The holidays are when I'm having a day that uh, I think particularly with ADHD or the ADHD side, like if I'm in executive dysfunction and I'm not getting as much done as I as I like to, like most of the days of the year because of all these con these capitalist constructs and like this constant like expectation, like this this conditioning of if you're not producing a certain amount of work every day, then it makes you feel bad. So I feel like that's why the holidays are nice. Like I was just thinking about it recently. It feels like society gives you more permission to be to like wind down and not be like producing a ton of stuff. So like I can relate to that. Like that is something coincidentally that I was just thinking about recently. Like, oh, you know, like this month, like, the month of December, I I haven't been as hard on myself as I was like even like just recently like September, October, November, because there's not like that constant pressure. Like there's less of it. There's less. Like it winds down naturally for everyone over Christmas. I guess that's what what I mean. That's yeah. That's a really interesting point. And I guess to that point, obviously we can't avoid that feeling mm-hmm. and, it, and it's good to have you know allow yourself to feel like it's a break rather than a test or try to remind yourself in december but it's also a great reminder that we don't you know we, we won't be made to feel that way throughout the year mm-hmm. but it really is a construct which isn't to say it isn't in your head it's not right but it does mean that if you can find like in december we have advent calendars right small things to get you through the day mm-hmm. <laughs> Every month, if you can find an advent calendar for yourself for every single month of the year, it might make, you know, kind of bring that spirit. So trying to get through Christmas, try to bring some of what made it special for you to every single month of the year. Whether it's, by the way, small tip, buying discounted advent calendars in January. Mm. They are half priced. They have tons of stuff in them. Make it something about self-care. Yeah, they're usually quite cheap, and then you'll have an advent calendar for each month. So you know stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, it's just that little bit because that's the nice bit about December is that there's supposed to be a small point of excitement for still being alive every day. Yeah, yeah, there's <laughs> that should... calendar is. Yeah. and everyone, the way we are living now in this world, we need that every single day. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, very Which much. Which isn't just it's okay, but we need to find a way to you know live through it while still acknowledging it's not okay mm-hmm. doesn't make it any better but you need to get through it in order to make a change so <laughs> yeah yeah you mm-hmm. self advent calendar mm-hmm. yeah do mm-hmm. gifts at a cafe rather than a huge dining table like just yeah. sing carols 
on your own rather than with people or you know, mm-hmm. harmonize with the choir on YouTube if you like to be on your own or you know, get your dog's little Christmas doggy friendly treats instead of putting them in sweaters. Anything, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something you can get this Christmas and hopefully you can integrate into other parts of your life. And this Christmas, this is the one thing that like, I just am so happy about. Or not happy, but just look forward to. Yeah. That makes sense. I like that. Yeah. And you may not feel like doing it at the moment, right? It's like getting a concert to something you like. Mm-hmm. And then you're happy you went. Try to find whatever that is. Mm-hmm. At the end of the year, you can figure out what it is and try to integrate that for better or for worse into the rest of your months of your life. Give yourself little yeah, tiny advent calendars. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's a good idea. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for that <laughs> insight. Yeah. I'm quite pleased with myself. <laughs> That's um, my Christmas gift to myself. Yeah. Well, everyone listening as well. And yeah, well, I think pretty much everything I have on my end, I don't know if you... Yeah. I think we had one note, which is that we were thinking, and we'll see if any of our listeners are excited about this, about having a kind of Q&A. What do you... Either advice you have on dealing with holidays... Or, you know, questions about holidays or send in voice notes or, you know, emails. Let us know if you want us to use your actual name or whether you'd rather mm-hmm. remain anonymous or give give you a random name. That's yeah. always fun while you see things. I can put a Q&A on the description of the episode also. Yeah. yeah. If, if you're, we'd be interested to hear and also answer some of your questions mm-hmm. about holidays. And we'll hopefully have that either before Christmas or after Christmas. Yes. Because New Year's also. So it might be good. Yeah, if you guys are interested in interacting with us, that would be great, and we'd love to hear more from you. <laughs> yes, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, so please let us know if you'd like to. Um, and, yeah, well, I wanted to thank you again, X, for coming on. And, thank uh, you for having Yeah, this was a, a fantastic episode uh a lot of insights and you know i think we covered a lot of things uh, in general about the the holidays i think it was very good and yeah before i go on another tangent uh thank you everyone (laughs) for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode and i'll see you guys next time